when we work with translating the word, we also we also check off here anything that can is associated with with this word, or is it a type, for instance? And the mm -hmm. reason we're we're doing this here in this in this particular place is because when we finish the whole product, we don't we want to print the whole Bible in print, of course, but we also want to make it available uh, on the web and also uh, uh, app mobile app applications. So we want to be able to give people the same to watch and and to think about just the weight and the burden that it is for him and his family and those that are working with him to you know each individual word you know how precious and how important that is that we we have it in our language we don't really have to think twice about it necessarily we just kind of take it for granted uh, but the work that goes into translating like that and uh, so I just I could stand up here and talk about Albanian Bible translation for a while because I really enjoyed that video and I really enjoyed watching the tool and uh, I do think that I mean it, hopefully it will revolutionize some of the way that translation work is done and I just think about last night when um, when Brad was here, and he was talking about the Philadelphian efforts, and the you know how churches are needing to work together, and and then Arion's talking about you know he's got pastors back in Albania, and and even the church. So when I went there, I I was helping plant a, a new church, and uh, it was a church that Jeff Bartel's church had sent out, and so we were helping plant that, and now uh, that was this was back in 2004. That church is now sending missionaries to other countries, you know, and so the the work is like exploding in Albania, and and God's doing a miraculous thing, and then. Arion and his wife, and uh, I know Jeff and Erla are working on it as well, and some others. But uh, to see all the work that's going into it, and to know that, I mean, there's there's new converts in Albania daily, hourly, you know, by the minute that are that are going to be needing and using uh, the Word of God that that they're working on. And it's just really cool to see uh, all the tools that he's kind of. They're doing a lot of work on the front end. I don't know how many months and weeks and years of work has gone into just building the program and all the foundation, but. Uh, you know, he's he's going to have something that, you know, eventually it's going to have all those tools, you know, that, that they're not going to have to go back and do it all over again. So uh, I just appreciate his vision and just the, the wisdom that God's given him. And I do think, you know, my, uh, Brian always talks about, uh, you know, a key man. And, and I think, you know, Arion is definitely one of those key men that uh, you can hear just from listening to him that, you know, he's he's kind of on another level intellectually and, and being able to work through all those details. And so. Uh, he's definitely worthy of, of our prayer. So if you guys would stand um, just to stretch your legs a little bit, I'm going to pray over them and the Albanian translation work, and then we'll continue on with service tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just come to you in prayer tonight to lift up uh, this Albanian Bible translation that's going on. God, I just I thank you so much for uh, just the heart that you've given to Arion and his wife, Yonita, and uh, all those that are working on the translation work. God, I just I thank you that um, that they value that having having your words uh, in their heart language and and God uh, there there are Albanian speaking people like he said all over the world God that uh, in 2022 can't get a Bible in their language they don't have an app that they can pull up and access uh, digitally and search words and and all of that God at least not in a in a you know solid translation so I just I thank you God for um, Arion answering the call to to the translation work that you've uh, given God, it is a, a huge weight uh, just from the responsibility aspect, God, that, that comes along with that, knowing that uh, until your son Jesus Christ comes back, God, we, you know, people are going to be reading uh, and using the translation work that him and his wife and others are working on, God, to be able to um, share the gospel with people, to be able to disciple people, to see, um, you know, a change in the Albanian people and Albanian speaking peoples. And uh, God, I just, I thank you for just that, that burden that you've given him and and uh, God, just his his willingness to answer that is an example and a, a testimony to us, God, as we, um, you know, are faced all the time with opportunities to serve you, God, and too often we neglect those things. So I just thank you for his willingness to uh, to take that, that task on. And God, as he mentioned, a couple of prayer requests that he had was uh, for their health. And, and God, we know that, uh, we you know, we never know how many days we have left. And as he mentioned, the guy back in the 1800s that was translating uh, was not able to finish because he passed. And so, God, I just pray for their, their health and, and that you would just continue to give them the strength, um, both physically, God, and, and certainly mentally as they uh, navigate all these um, words, God, and they're, they're giving us definitions and translations and cross-references and all of those things, God. And I just I pray that you would just put your, your hand of protection on, on them as they uh, work through this, God, and, and just really continue to give them the strength that they need. Uh, God, he also mentioned his family. I know they have two children that... 
Um, God, the enemy is not certainly not pleased with the work that's being done. And so, God, I just I want to lift the, up their family as well, that you would just uh, keep them protected. God, help them to really catch the, the vision and, and to see their parents uh, laboring on this on this translation work. God, I pray that that would just uh, give them a, a heart and a desire to want to serve you with their lives as well. And and just continue to to watch over them, God, and give them uh, just grace with their parents. I know that uh, ministry work, God, is is time consuming, and so I pray that you would just give them grace with them, and uh, God, just just be with that whole family, God. I know there's many many others that are working on it as well, so I just I want to lift all of them up, God. I pray that you would just continue to. Um, we know that as much as we want your word to be translated perfectly into Albanian, God, you want that even more, and uh, I just I just ask your your uh, blessing on. Just that whole that whole work, God, and I just thank you for allowing Heartland to be uh, just a, a tiny little part of that at the end, God. Once we uh, have a translation, God, it just will be so cool to be able to produce those Bibles and, and to see those Bibles uh, delivered to the hands of people who need them. And so I just thank you, God, for this uh, this time, this opportunity to uh, to put this before you, and I just ask your blessing on the rest of this evening and the rest of our conference. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you guys. It's been good. I, so we've had a kind of a lot packed in already. And uh, I was just thinking as as I was watching that video and looking at the Bibles piled up here and, um, you know, listening to the report and knowing that we still have more work to do. You know what? Sometimes ministry can kind of seem heavy, can it? I mean, just listen to the burden. We're praying over this burden of translating the Bible. You guys have been working, uh, you know, industriously to get the Bibles out. We've all been working and, and it's getting I mean, we're we're coming to the end and we still got work to do. You can get you can get tired. And uh, I was thinking about that passage, or I was thinking about that, and I was this passage came to my heart. And uh, as we get ready to hear the word, I pray that our hearts are ready. And I was thinking about the great invitation, very common passage for all of us. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy. Uh, <clears throat> I know this verse. Heavy, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid to not see it. Come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take uh, my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, what's so amazing about all the things that, that God is doing in our in, in our in this ministry, which isn't just an HBF ministry, and all of our churches, that Philadelphian partnership that we talked about yesterday, the history that has brought us to this point, you know, no matter whether you're talking about Bible publication, Bible translation, it, we are building upon the work of others that have gone before, are we not? And and we as we enter this labor, it's something that we can take joy in and we can rest in because the Lord is leading us. And I pray that you're encouraged. Uh, my brother Dale Money has been laboring for many many years with bearing precious seed. He's part of the story and the history. And our first message that we started off with on Sunday was you know having a heart to publish God's word. And this brother has a heart to publish God's word. He's one of the few men that's touched on many. He's tied to the history. Um, uh, in our in our circles of the whole process of Bible assembly from the first day till now, he's married into it. He has grown up in it. He has also touched on various aspects of it. He has seen it blossom from vision and visionaries uh, to what we see today, which is an established uh, ministry that's uh, very prolific in its outreach. And so it's with great pleasure I want to introduce to you Dale Money. Give him a good HBF welcome as he comes and preaches us tonight. Amen. Well, good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Great. We've already heard some wonderful things. What a blessing tonight. The work of the Lord is going on. You know, we live in a world that's pretty dark and a lot of things that are, you know, get you down. But when you see stuff like that, you get excited and uh, you're not the only one doing something for the Lord and others are doing it. And God's bringing himself glory in different places of the world. And that's a great thing. Take your Bibles tonight. Turn with me to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. We'll get right into the Word of God tonight. Mark chapter 5. And we'll spend our time in this region of the Word of God. And in Mark chapter number 5, we are going to, for, the, uh, for one more time, stand together. And uh, let's just stand, stretch our legs, and we'll read the Scriptures. We'll pray, and then you can be seated And we'll get into our message tonight. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 5, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the ship, immediately there met him 
out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been off bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had uh, and and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, and always, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Father, tonight I come to you in prayer and I seek your face. And uh, Lord, I need you tonight. There's no doubt. Uh, Lord, I'm a weak vessel and I'm nothing without you. And so, Lord, tonight fill me with your spirit. Use me for your service. And glorify yourself um, tonight with your word and for the preaching. I pray that, God, you would affect our lives. Lord, help us. Um, Lord, we've already seen much tonight and been stirred. And uh, there's still a work to do. Everybody's got a part. And so, Lord, prepare us to do the work that you've uh, called us to do and to continue in that work till you come again. Lord, perhaps today the trumpet will sound. I love you tonight. Give you glory. Thank you for these folks. And help us be an, a, attentive tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I am going to tonight, you can be seated, uh, spend a little bit of time in this area. And, and there's some part of this passage that I'm not going to read. Many of you probably already know the rest of the story. And the, the, this man was demon-possessed and, and, and what Christ did and cast out the demons. And uh, so we're going to look at this passage tonight in, in just a moment. But in 1999, I was asked to join a team and to travel to Russia. Um, it was in my senior year of college. Now, you say, Brother Money, you must have been pretty young. Well, I was kind of young, but I didn't get saved till I was 23. I didn't start Bible college till I was 24 or 25. And uh, it took me a while to graduate. So I compacted a lot of years and a small degree. And so about 32, I graduated. So um, uh, about 1999, I was asked to travel to Russia. It was in my, going into my senior year of college, Bible college. And uh, the, the goal was to distribute one million New Testaments among the Russian people in the Russian language. Uh, we had a letter from Boris Yeltsin. Uh, the missionary did. Bearing Precious Seed was involved. I was not involved with Bearing Precious Seed at the time. Um, but uh, God was about to change my heart. It was through this trip that God changed my life and changed my direction and my path towards Bible publishing. One year later, um, after this trip, after the events of this trip, my wife and I um, surrendered to Bearing Precious Seed. Uh, I quit my job. My wife uh, sold her business. We packed up our family and we moved to Milford, Ohio. On that next Sunday, we joined the church, started working in the print shop at Bearing Precious Seed, and traveled with my father-in-law on the weekends for Seedline Projects. Uh, after being in the ministry for about 11 years, and I'm really fast-forwarding this, um, the idea of First Bible International, I had, I had uh, been in the ministry 11 years, I had directed Seedline for about five or six years, and uh, the Lord started changing my heart again, um, and uh, the concept of First Bible, the, the idea of Bible translation and reaching unreached people groups and Bibleist people were brought to my attention. Um, in my shame, uh, under, not because I did not understand uh, this concept, um, I, I didn't not only understand it, I didn't accept it. And I didn't understand what an unreached people group was. And I didn't understand that there were Bibleist people. I mean, I was in Bible publishing. We were printing the Word of God. We were sending it all over the world. And I really didn't understand this. And, and to my shame, I, I snickered and I scoffed. And I made light of it and I brushed it off. But two years later, the Lord had the last laugh. Um, he took me to Nepal, changed my heart, and made me the director of First Bible International. 
uh, the ministry that I did not understand. And uh, God, God was working in my heart. And, but, you know, I got into the ministry and I, I really didn't understand. You know, Dr. Keene, when he turned it over to me, he, um, he, said, he said, Dale, we were coming back from Mongolia, and he said, Dale, what questions do you have? You know, what questions? You, you, you're now you're going to start taking over this ministry. What questions do you have? And I, I said, Dr. Keene, I don't even know the questions to ask what questions that I need to know. I, I don't know anything. I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. I, 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 I'm still trying to process all this. I know what Bible publishing is. I know how to put scriptures together. I know what binders are. I know what printers are. I understand those things. I know how to ship things and get things and logistics and get it all out. I know trucking and I know all these things, but I don't know what unreached people groups are. I don't know how to reach them. I don't know what's going on. And, and, and I was lost. As a matter of fact, I took on this ministry and God confirmed in my heart. Every year I have a theme for the ministry and my last theme in Seedline as the director was stay the course. It was out of 1 Timothy. And guess what my, my theme was the first year in First Bible? Stay the course. That's all I knew what to do. All I knew what to do was to stay the course and stay steady and, and to keep on and, and the Lord would help me. And several, several years later, still trying to run the ministry, still trying to understand what we're supposed to do, um, I asked the Lord, Lord, what is an unreached people group? Not, not in a definition that you'd find in, in some book, but Lord, show me in the Bible. Show me what an unreached people group is. Show me what a Bibleist people group is. Help me to understand and then help me know how to reach them. I'd been studying the book of Mark for a long time. And I was reading uh, in this passage, Mark chapter number 5, Scripture dealing with the maniac of Gadara. And it became very clear to me um, that uh, this was an unreached people group. This maniac of Gadara was exactly what I was trying to define. You see, uh, what, I, what I learned was in this, in, this, in this passage that unreached people groups like him the odds are not in their favor. Uh, their odds to be reached with the gospel are not in their favor. So the title tonight, if you're taking notes, the title of the message tonight is, What are the odds? What are the odds that this man would be reached? I mean, he, was, he had all kinds of troubles. He had all kinds of problems. He had all kinds of situations. Uh, uh, we see in this passage that that he was dwelling among the tombs. He was in the mountains. He was always, night and day, cutting himself. Uh, no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Neither could any man tame him. He was crying. He was cutting himself with stones. There was unclean spirits with inside of him. He was full of devils. And, and, and there, he could not help himself. He could not find results within himself. There was nothing in him that could help him get out of the situation. He was in a deep hole. He was in uh, great problems. He, he could not get out. He was hurting. He was isolated. He was self-afflicted. He was demonically oppressed. He was trapped. He was in a hole that he could not get out. He was helpless. He was hopeless. And I believe he was even exploited by the people. And so he was in a place and he could not he could not help himself. He didn't know the answers. And what I realized not only did he not know the answers, there was nobody around him that knew the answers. There was nobody around him that could fix his problem. There was nobody around him that could solve his issues. They, they tried different programs. They, they tried to suppress it. They tried to chain him up, but he would break off the fetters. Uh, they would probably try to ignore him and put him out of their sight, but there was no social program. There, there was no humanistic program. There was nothing going on that could fix his problem. What I realized was in my study was somebody had to come from the outside into his culture because there was no answers. There was no hope. There was no relief. There was nothing that anybody could do in his culture to help him. Someone must come from outside his culture with the answers, come inside and answer his problems. That's what an unreached people group is. 
a people group that can't, that can't fix the issue of sin themselves. You see, they try. They, they build idols and they, they paint things on the wall and they spin wheels and they, they light things and they, they, they make things go around and they're trying everything they can to solve their problem of who God is and how they can get rid of the sin issue and how they can have hope and how they can have peace and they cannot do it. You see, someone with the truth, someone with the gospel, somebody with hope that knows Jesus Christ must come into their people group, must show them and help them and give the wisdom and understanding and the knowledge so that they can know Christ and break free from their problems. Do you understand that tonight? This chair right here is going to represent those type of people. The demaniac of Gadara's. The unreached people groups, the groups that do not have a Bible, the groups that, that, that don't have enough understanding or enough people within their culture to evangelize their own people. And that's what that will represent tonight. Those that are trapped, those that are hopeless. And you say, Brother Money, are there people like that? Well, only if you're counting, only about 3.2 billion people sitting in that chair in the world tonight. 3.2 billion people, statistics say, worldwide are unreached with the gospel. You say, Brother Money, I know a lot of folks that are hurting. I know a lot of folks that are, that, that are dealing with demonic spirits. I know a lot of folks even in our neighborhood. And you know what? I agree with that. There's a difference between condition and situation. You see, this, the condition of the maniac is, is no different than those in Jerusalem. I mean, there was demonic people there. There were people with devils. There were people with problems. There were people with issues. There were people with all kinds of stuff. Their condition is the same as his. The problem was the situation was different. Let's put it to you this way. Tonight, if you were thirsty, and I mean you were really thirsty... I've been really thirsty. I know I, I, I need water, and, and there are times, but there's times I, I need something to drink. I mean, I've been working outside, I'm sweating, I'm hot, I, I, I'm, I'm depleted, my electrolytes are down, and I need something to drink. My condition is I'm thirsty. My situation is I can go in the house and get water. I, 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 can, I can go to the store and get water. It, it, if it's too bad, I can drink it out of the toilet, okay? I'm just saying there's water available. But what if I was on a boat in the middle of the ocean and I'm thirsty? Yes, there's water around, but it's not drinkable. You see, my condition is the same. My situation is different. And there are a lot of people that need help just like this man and just like those unreached people groups. There are folks right here in your community, in your, in your neighborhoods, down your street. They need help. Their homes are, their homes are being destroyed. Their lives are being broken. There, there, are, there are all kinds of things going on. The, the condition is the same. The problem is the situation's different. There is a church. There is a Bible. There is hope in your neighborhood. They can come. They drive by here. They see you in your workplace. They could talk to you. But the condition in many places of the world are so different. They're so different. The situation is different because there, there is no church. There is no Bible. There is nowhere to go. And so the condition is the same, the situation's different. And so, so the Lord showed me here in this passage what, a, what an unreached people group is or, or what a Bibleist people or what are people that have needs in the world that, that aren't being reached. And so as I looked at this, I, I saw a group of people that needed help. I saw this, this, this man in this story, and I said, what are the odds that someone would reach him? I mean, what are the odds? 
Well, you know, the Bible says that, that the, the demons went into about 2,000 uh, uh, hogs and ran off the edge. So let's just, let's just say, now a legion is, is more than 2,000. The demon said his name was legion, but let's just say it was 2,000. You know what the odds were? It was at least 2,000 to nothing prior to Jesus showing up. The odds were not in his favor. And can I say tonight, there's people in this world, the odds are not in their favor. There are Albanians that the odds are not in their favor. They won't receive the scripture in time. They will not get a witness in time. They've been isolated. They do not know. Even though the work is being done, even though there's people there, they will not know and the odds are not in their favor. And so I realized in this passage, the odds were not in their favor. It wasn't looking very good for him. But then I asked the Lord, Lord, what could I do? What what do I need to do in this ministry or even in my own life to increase the odds? (laughs) Do you know what tonight? The odds may be against people, but there is something you and I can do tonight that would increase the odds for them to being reached. We could be proactive in some areas that if we could get over some hurdles in our life, it, it would um, uh, 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 increase the odds of people all over the world. Do you know what tonight? You could increase the odds of those people getting a Bible quicker. God could use you to increase the odds to help those in Albania or anywhere in the world, Nepal, Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, China, and God could use you. So I want to give you a pattern tonight, very quickly. Uh, this, this is actually a, a five-message series I've boiled down <laughs> to a few minutes. So please listen carefully. If you'd like to write some things down, you probably need to. There are some hurdles. I, I asked the Lord, I said, okay, I understand a little better what an unreached people group. I understand their condition. I understand their situation. But what do I do? And the Lord started taking me back into the book of Mark and helping me understand what, what needs to happen. He gave me four hurdles. I guess today's the day of using chairs. If you were here for lunch, I used chairs. And tonight I'm using chairs. But tonight I'm using these as hurdles. There are some hurdles in the way of you and I. And if we're going to reach people, and this pattern is just not for unreached people group. This pattern is people down your street. If if this isn't accomplished, if you can't get over these hurdles, you'll never reach your neighbor. You say, Brother Money, there's a lot of people here in the States that need to be reached. Well, they're not because you're stuck on one of these hurdles. Or I am. And so we've got to uh, overcome these hurdles. And the Lord started showing me what he overcame to be able to reach this person in chapter number five. Are you with me tonight? Are you still here? Can you say something tonight? All right. Amen. Let me give you these five hurdles very quickly. Number one, the Lord took me back to Mark chapter one, chapter one in verse nine through 13. Let's go back there real quick. Mark chapter 1, 9 through 13. And I'll just basically give you some points and say a few words and move on to the next. But Mark chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, And it came to pass after those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw heaven open and spirit like a dove descending upon him and the And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. He was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and and was with wild beasts. And the angels ministered unto him. And then the Bible says, Now after that John was put into prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. What I found out is the first hurdle that Jesus had to overcome was that wilderness of his life. 
He had to overcome a wilderness in his life, a difficulty in his life, a tough spot in his life, an area where he was tempted of Satan, an area where he went without food, an area, maybe a dry spot in his life, an area that was that, that he had to suppress the flesh and to get victory over. You know what that means. You've had problems in your life. You have troubles in your life. You've had tragedies come in your life, and, and they kind of set you back for a while. For 40 days, Jesus was out of ministry, and he was in this trial, but Jesus had to become victorious in his wilderness to make it to the maniac of Gadara. Understand that tonight? Jesus had to be victorious in his wildernesses to become effective for the Father to reach other people. Uh, let me just say something about the wilderness real quick. Uh, Jesus was spirit-led in this wilderness. This wilderness was orchestrated by God and not a result of sin if you as a Christian if if you are if you as a Christian uh, you go through dry spells in life if you live long enough you're going to go through dry spells of life difficulties uh, debilitating situations and as unbearable as it may seem if the Spirit leads you in, the Spirit will lead you out. I want you to understand that about the wilderness. Here's some truths you need to understand about the wilderness. Uh, some wildernesses, and many are, are Spirit-led. And if He leads you in, He'll lead you out. Something else I want you to understand about the wilderness. All wildernesses for a Christian has a shelf life. Praise the Lord for that. There's an expiration date. You know, this, this trial in Christ's life was 40 days. Now, in chapter 2, he finds himself back in a desert place. All right? So, so this trial was 40 days. Your trial might be a short time. Your trial might be for a span. But as a Christian, it may, you may die with a trial in your life. But can I say this? It's got a shelf life. <laughs> And so we need to be victorious in our wildernesses to be able to reach the unreached. Not only are they spirit-led, they have a shelf life, but wildernesses are all oftentimes seasonal. This was not the final temptation. Satan would return again at another season. And so, and so wildernesses, uh, time in the wilderness... Uh, is spirit-led, has a shelf life, and it's se seasonal. There are trials in the wilderness. Jesus experienced these trials. He experienced self-denial. But he did not allow the flesh to have the upper hand. Not only in this experience of this trial in the wilderness, not only did he have self-denial, but he depended on Scripture. You know how we are able to be victorious in, 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 the, in the wildernesses of our life? We can't give an upper hand to our flesh and we've got to depend on Scripture. Those people in Albania are, are depending on folks like you and me to be victorious in our wilderness, to be able to come through successfully, to come through without, without being drugged down. There are many Christians today that can't get through their wilderness, that they're stuck in a wilderness, and they can't do anything for God, and they can't go forward, and they're not able to reach others. You can't help somebody with their problems when you can't get help yourself. Do you understand that tonight? And so there was time in the wilderness. There were trials in the wilderness, but I understand there was triumph over the wilderness. Jesus entered into the wilderness by the Spirit, and he returns in the Spirit. And I want to say this real quick, quick, quickly about wildernesses. Jesus left all the wildernesses in the wilderness. You know what we often do? We're, we're, we're going through, and, and you know what? There's times, and there's times to hurt, and there's times where, where I... I, I I've gone through things and I can't sing like I, I want to because it hurts. But there's a time where, where, where the Lord wants to get you out of that wilderness and wants to give you victory, but all we do is drag sand.
And so if we're going to reach others for Christ, we have to be victorious in his wilderness. You know, spiritual warfare is necessary if we're going to reach the unreached for Christ. I've been around long enough to see many Christians go through deep valleys and dark waters in their lives, and for whatever reason, they don't make it through. That loss is not only felt locally, but it's affected globally. When Christians can't escape the wildernesses or can't get victory over the problems of their life, it results in one last soldier, one last witness, one last testimony, one last wall, one last gap, one last giver, one last goer. You see, it's imperative that God's people anchor into the Word of God because every wilderness that God's people successfully pass through increases the odds of others receiving Christ. You understand that tonight? We have to be, if we're going to reach, if we're going to reach our neighbor for Christ, we have to be victorious in our wildernesses. Jesus had to go through wildernesses, and because he was victorious, he went to the next step. Let me give this to you quickly tonight. Not only was he uh, victorious in his wilderness, he was successful in transitions. Mark chapter 1, 14 through 18, I'll just read one verse to you. Now, um, uh, uh, verse 17, and Jesus said unto them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. You see, Jesus went through a transition. He came out of the wilderness. John was put into prison. Jesus started preaching the kingdom of God. John was on the way out. The, the disciples were on the way in, and he was going to train them. He, Jesus traded, or he transitioned. You know, you know I, I thought about this. You know, him and John the Baptist could have made a pretty good team. I mean, John the Baptist was seasoned. Man, he was a preacher. He was letting them have it. He was, he was doing the work of God. But God transitioned from, from one person to these 12 knotheads that didn't have faith, that messed up, that had problems. But you see, but see, John, his goal was to usher in Christ to be the forerunner the disciples' job was to turn the world upside down. You see, there had to be a transition in their life. We're not real good at transitions or change, are we? Transitions are a normal part of life. Although we are typically resistant to change, it happens. And it's true in the work of God as well. Let me give you these three points real quick about transitions. Sometimes God must change personnel so that the unreached can be reached. You know, God the Father decided the world couldn't be turned upside down with John. He needed the disciples. Sometimes God must change personnel so that the unreached can be reached. Sometimes God must change plans so that the unreached can be reached. Sometimes plans need to be changed. You know, if we're going to reach people for Christ, we've got to be victorious in our wildernesses. We need to be successful in transitions in our life. There's got to be some change in our life. There's got to be some difference in our life. There has to be some altering in our life. So sometimes God must change plans. And sometimes God must change procedures. And I don't have time to go all through this, but it has to do with strategy. You know... Sometimes God changed things, the strategy, as God's people had more light. And so that happened. So let me give you this thought in transitions and I'll move on. You know, God may have to change our livelihood, our lifestyle, or our location so that the unreached can be reached. You know what? There's going to, be, there's going to have to be some change in our life. And there's a lot of change that you've made in your life. And I know that you folks are, are doing a great job for the Lord. But I'm just saying tonight, if we're going to reach people across the world, there's going to have to be change among God's people. Because we're not doing it now to the effect that I think He wants us to do it. 
Maybe, maybe there's a lifestyle change that needs to happen in our lives. Maybe, maybe we need to turn something off so that we can turn something on. I'm just saying tonight, maybe, maybe the Lord wants to change your, your, your location or your livelihood or your lifestyle. So our first hurdle is to get to those that need to be reached. We must be victorious in our wildernesses. We need to be successful in our transitions. And Jesus was successful. You can look through these scriptures and Jesus made transition. He had to make some change. The fourth, the third area, the, the third hurdle in, in reaching those for Christ is forging partnerships. We talked about that last night, the partnership of the, of the Philadelphian church. Partnerships. When Jesus said unto Simon, come ye after me, he was making a partnership with these fishers of fish to make them to become fishers of men. He was forging a partnership with them. This partnership benefited everyone involved. Jesus utilized their talents, their abilities, their resources... And, and people who partnered with him. Let me give you some example. Jesus making partnerships. If you went through the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verse 33, we find him at the door. At Mark chapter 2, verse uh, 1, he was at a house. In Mark 2, verse uh, 14 and 15, he was at a house. In Mark 3, verse 9, a small ship. Mark 4, 1, he was in a ship. Mark 4, 36, he was in a ship. In 5, 12, he was in a ship. In 6, 38, there's five loaves and two fishes. In 6, 51, he was in a ship. In 7, 17, he was at a house. In, in 8, 5 through 7, seven loaves and a few small fishes. In 8, 10, he was in a ship. In 9, 28, he was in a house. In 11, 2, he found a colt. In, in, in 14, 15, uh, there was an upper room in 1546. There was a sepulcher. What I'm saying tonight is each instance, Christ partnered with somebody because they had something he needed to accomplish a job. The boat wasn't his. I mean, it really was, but it wasn't. The house wasn't his. The colt wasn't his. Not even the tomb was his. But Jesus learned to partnership with others to accomplish the task, Jesus gave more value to what they had than what they could have done with what they had. You see, Jesus made a partnership with them. Can I make this comment, and I'll, I'll pass by this quickly. Let me give you four things. Jesus expected four things out of his partners. He expected his partners to follow. Mark chapter 1, verse 7, follow me. You know what he did? He, he expected his partners to follow. He not only expected his partners to follow, he expected his partners to hear. That's what Mark chapter 4 is about. He that hath ears, let him hear. He always expected his partners to follow. He expected his partners to hear. He expected his partners to contribute. Mark chapter 6. And then he expected his partners to have faith. And so Jesus expected something out of his partners. And if we're going to partner with Christ, we have to follow. If we're going to partner with Christ, we're, we're going to have to hear. If we're going to partner with Christ, we're going to have to contribute. If we're going to partner with Christ to reach the world, we're going to have to have faith. It's a hurdle that we've got to overcome in our life. We have to be victorious in our wildernesses. We need to be successful in transitions. We need to learn to forge partnerships. And, and the closer, and as Jesus completes these hurdles, the closer he is to getting across the water. You know, in this partnership, yes, he could have walked across the Sea of Galilee like this. But he partnered with someone and use their boat to sail across the sea. You see, Jesus was victorious in his wildernesses. He was successful in his transitions. He learned to forge partnerships 
And the last one is, he learned across cultures. You see, Jesus had to overcome every hurdle. Jesus had to cross cultures to get into someone else's culture. Let me read this to you. Jesus was very good at crossing cultures for the purpose of reaching souls. The woman at the well, the Syrophoenician woman, the centurion servant, the poor, the sick, the hurting, the destitute. Jesus was always crossing cultures over physical and financial and political barriers to reach someone else. And this is what I know that's true. You know what? Most cultures are inviting. I've been around the world in different places, and most folks want you to come in. They want to know about you. They want to learn about you. They want to know about your family. They want to, they want to see about you. Most cultures want you to come in. The problem isn't getting into their culture. The problem is getting out of mine. You know, there's a reason why some of our neighbors and some of our people in, in my neighborhood and in your neighborhood aren't being reached. You know what? Some folks just can't get out of the wilderness, can't get victory in the wilderness. There's some folks that are stopped at the hurdle of, of um, uh, successful transitions. They, they, can't, they can't make the change. They, they can't alter what they're doing so that those people that aren't reached can be reached. You know, there's others that can't, that can't partner with others. They've got to do it themselves. Hey, hey, there's some things that you need other people's help to accomplish in the work of God. That's why we do this. You know what? I can't myself reach Ukrainian people like we're doing this week. I myself can't put all these Bibles together. I myself can't print them. I myself can't translate. But if we work together and we can forge partnerships, we can accomplish the job together. If we can get over those hurdles. And you know what? If we're going to reach someone for Christ, we're going to have to cross cultures. We're going to have to get out of our own. We're going to have to get out of our house. We're going to have to get out of our, our, our comfort zone to reach others. You see, Jesus was very effective of reaching people that no one had reached before. You see, I can imagine that maniac of Gadara there in the tombs, cutting himself, going crazy, and he's looking out across the sea you know where he was at was about a thousand feet above the water and, and I could imagine him in the tombs looking out one night it was storming and all these things were happening and he and he caught a glimpse of a little boat out in the middle of the water and can you imagine the, the problems and the fear that was going on in the disciples' heart. And I mean, they were trying to bail out water. They were going crazy. They didn't know what was going on. They were scurrying around. And Jesus stood up, and in the midst of the storm, he stood on the bow of the boat, and he said, Peace, be still. He had power over it because he was victorious in his wildernesses. He, he was successful in his, in his transition. He, he was... He was uh, 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 he was forging partnerships and he was crossing a culture. And as he stood that night and said, peace be still, I wonder if that maniac of Gadara was looking down and saying, if that person can calm the storm in his life, he sure can calm the storm in my life. And people are looking for those that can work together. People are waiting for those that can change their life so that they could affect theirs. People are waiting for those to, to, to get joy in their wildernesses so that they can get help to get joy in their wildernesses. And they're waiting for people to get out of their comfort zone, their culture, their lifestyle into their culture. You know... What are the odds? Let me read this to you and I close. 
The truth is, there are billions of maniacs of Gadara all over the world, most of which are in areas called the 1040 window. They are trapped. They are in dire need of someone to carry them the gospel. This account reminds me of many people groups who have the knowledge, who do not have the knowledge of Jesus Christ nor anyone in their culture to reach them with the gospel. People like the Lap who reside in the central areas of the Himalayan mountains of Bhutan. These people have been swallowed up by Tibetan Buddhism and are trapped by satanic strongholds of false religion and political isolation. Or maybe the Cairo people of Ethiopia along the banks of the Omro River. This is a small tribe who has been overlooked by the church and has no scripture or any, any other biblical resources in the Cairo language. These are just samples of the thousands of people groups that either have no access to Jesus or extremely limited. The odds of the, uh, what are the odds of the church being moved by God to go outside their comfort zone to become missionaries to reach such small groups of people? What are the odds of Bible believers that could partner together so that we could move the check mark for unpublished to published? What are the odds that we will become compassionate as Christ was and to enter a hostile environment to rescue the perishing? For most of us, we won't even know how to start, how to prepare for such a seemingly impossible task. But what if we could just increase the odds? What if, what if, what, what, what wilderness would, would you be willing to conquer tonight? Bring before the God of heaven and get victory so that it at least moves the needle. It moves it to increase the odds. What cultures would you be willing to cross tonight? It might be the street. It might be in a different people group. What partnerships are you willing to forge that maybe you've been unwilling or what, what are you willing to change in your life? Maybe in prayer, might be in lifestyle. Thousands of people groups with no ability to hear about Christ, have a Bible or be a part of a church. We must be engaged and at least do something tonight that would increase the odds of others getting saved. Can I say this tonight? When you increase your obedience and soul winning, increases the odds of someone being reached. When you increase your time in prayer, when you increase your time in research, when you, when you increase your tithe or your giving or or teaching, or discipleship, or working on a bus, or serving the Lord, or whatever it is. Every time you say yes to Christ, it increases the odds of someone being reached. What hurdle are you stuck at? Is there a hurdle? Are you, do you have victory in your wildernesses? Are you ready for a change? Are you able to partner with others? And are you willing to cross cultures tonight? If not, the unreached will remain unreached. But if you're willing, if you're willing, you know, I'm glad that this man from Decatur had victory in his wilderness. I'm glad the man from Decatur, Jeff, was successful in transitions. I'm glad that Jeff was willing to partner. I'm glad Jeff was willing to cross cultures because tonight we see some benefits of someone that overcome the hurdles that Christ overcame so that the unreached can be reached. How about you tonight? Father, thank you for this time. Lord, I don't know how in the world that you can use what's been said tonight, your glory, but I pray that you will. 
Lord, a lot of information was given. I know these folks are tired. Lord, I know that they're faithful. I know Tuesday night, this is the faithful few, and I'm, I'm not mad, I'm not angry. I'm just saying, well, there may be something in their life that you need to work on. Something that maybe was identified tonight we need to get right before we ever go forward. Well, I love you tonight. Lord, help me in these areas. Lord, I want people reached. Lord, there's some hurdles that maybe I need to get through tonight and deal with at an altar and get right with our Lord. Lord, give us grace in Christ's name. Amen. Pastor, would you come? Let's stand in an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word that we've heard. Thank you for your servant uh, just giving us a very clear uh, and relevant illustration, right? Exactly lifted out of the word of God, exposed to us. Lord, I pray for our hearts tonight that we would just consider the wilderness. Lord, what is it that, that would hinder us? I pray, God, that we would be encouraged knowing there are seasons when we go into the wilderness and there are seasons we come out. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for giving us the victory. Thank you for going before us, Lord, and giving us that victory. And, Lord, there's other things that will come. This is, uh, this is such an important um, passage for us to consider, a message. Lord, you are certainly calling all of us to consider change. Lord, it's not easy to change, but everything around us is changing. Lord, we have to change to be more like you. Lord, help us to love more, to grow more, to be willing to be flexible and do what you tell us to do. Be obedient. And, Lord, uh, wherever you call us to go, whatever you ask us to do, Lord, I pray, God, we'd be willing and ready to do that. Lord, and I pray, God, that when we open up our heart to you like that, like we've been exposed to tonight, we follow the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Heavenly Father, help us to be Philadelphian in the partnerships. Lord, we pray, God, as we put the word of God first, Lord, that, the, Lord, that you would open doors that no man could shut. Oh, Heavenly Father, that we would not depend on ourselves, that we would not love ourselves, as we learned last night, Lord, that we would love you and that we would love others ahead of ourselves, Lord, that there would be the joy in serving you. And, Lord, ultimately, Lord, we want to we see, Lord, these, these, uh, these partnerships, Lord, turn into uh, connections with people, unreached people groups, Lord, people uh, that are in dire situations as well as dire conditions, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, that the word of God would get there on time. Oh, God, use each of these that are here, Lord. They're engaging in that even tonight, Lord. I know that you're calling men and women, and, and you're calling some to go to unreached people groups, Lord, to cross culture in ministry. That is what happens when we, we engage in getting your word to the world. I pray, God, that we would be, go beyond the, the next obstacle in our life, the next hurdle in our life, Lord. I pray, God, for your saints even tonight. Lord, it has been a lot to process on top of a lot of work and a lot of labor, but, Lord, you are speaking to us tonight you're asking us to enter into these labors and lord i pray heavenly father that you would confirm your word in each and every heart with every head bowed and every eye closed as we conclude if you're a brother or sister that's that's really really being touched by what's being said i pray to god that we would answer the call and we would go over the next hurdle that we would get to the next place that we would get to the to the people that god's calling us to get to so if, if god's calling you i just talked to a young man today he i didn't he's born again he's disillusioned by Bible college and what have you, you know what? I said, brother, you need to come. I, I want to come and talk with you. I want to talk to you about what God wants to do in your life. You know what? If you're a man or a woman and God's wanting to do something in your life and you know you need to get down to the end of those chairs, it doesn't matter if you're at chair one, two, three, or four, the local New Testament church, and if you're not a member of this church, go to your pastor at your local New Testament church. All, most of you that are here come from wonderful Bible-believing local churches. Get with your pastor. And have, get the help you need, get in the, in the structure that you need so you can grow the way you need to accomplish God's mission and his power for his glory. Because that is what we're here to do, is get to that last chair, both individually and collectively as a group. Find your place and get in. And so as we conclude in prayer, does anybody say, hey, Brian, just pray for me. I just need some prayer. I need to apply this. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. I, let's, I'm not, nobody's looking around, and I'm not your pope. But, man, I will pray for you even now. Heavenly Father, many raised their hands tonight. This was a, a powerful, powerful message. And I thank you so much for bringing your word to this church this week. Lord, you have spoken. 
uh, to all the saints, Lord, gathered, regardless of their heartland or wherever they're from. Lord, you are talking to us. You are speaking to us about the gravity of what we're engaged in. Lord, help us to grow in our grasp of what you are doing and help us to continue to grow in our willingness, Lord, to overcome these obstacles, to get the Bible where it needs to go on time. I thank you so much tonight for using your servant, Dale. I thank you so much for the patience of your people. These are weary people. I pray, God, that you would just infuse them with more power from on high, Lord, that we would not do this in the power of the flesh, but the Spirit of God, you would just encourage your people tonight. We thank you, we praise you, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may stay standing, because you guys need to keep moving, so we'll get a running start. Randy, come on up and and, uh, give us the final word, and I'm going to keep you guys standing. Unless you just need to sit, then you can sit. Praise the Lord that uh, was an awesome message and good encouragement in the word. Um, I just want to make just a, a couple of things mentioned. Of course, we are we still have a long way to go to get the work done. Uh, we, tonight is uh, end of Tuesday, and then tomorrow is Wednesday, and then the conference closes. Um, we need to get as much done as we can between now and the end of uh, this time tomorrow night. So I need your help. I need your family's help. I need everybody's help that you can bring tomorrow. Um, if you have an opportunity to call somebody as soon as I'm done praying and, and have them come tonight, that'd be great because we have a lot of work to do. I'm going to make a um, probably a recommendation to people who are in the checking in the rolling rooms. Um, we are packed on this side of the building for uh, all the stuff that's ready to go to the binder. So if you're in these rooms over here, put off a table and set stuff over on that table that has been checked, that has been marked, that has been ready to go to the binder, because we need storage space. Um, so I'm making it just kind of like a, a uh, what do you call that, audible, an audible call. Um, so, because you can't put them over there until the binders eat up all the stuff that's in the, in the library. And the binders have got a lot of work to do. So I'm going to make that uh, recommendation need help we'll get some help in there some of the bible team members can help coordinate that that'd be great you could do that set off a couple of tables so so things can be staged that would normally go this side need to stay over there but they need to be done we can't just not check and we can or collate and roll and check just because we don't have space we got to get the work done so that we can move forward uh i'd like to mention one more thing um as you probably have heard uh, our our trimmer, our Bible cutter, has uh, seen better days. It, I never know from one minute to the next when I when I push the button, is it going to work? Is it going to fail? Is it going to keep going? Is it going to is it going to be a temporary fix or a, a failure? Um, yesterday, I told you that we were we lo- we lost about six hours on Monday morning, and that cost us the several hundred Bibles worth of New Testaments being cut during that time. And uh, we did have some hiccups today. You didn't hear about them because we were able to work through them fairly quickly and get them taken care of. But we probably lost an hour and a half to two hours worth of production time just because of that. So we have been, the the leadership of the team uh, and the pastor of the church and the leaders of the church have been in in discussion about how can we replace that cutter. I love that cutter. It's a great machine. It's done a tremendous job for us, but it has seen better days. And so... We're trying to raise money to buy a new cutter. It's a different brand. Uh, it's functional. It works. It's new. It's uh, easily supported. It's easy to get parts and so on and so forth. Um, but what I'm asking you to do is just uh, pray um, about how you might be able to help us fund that cu- that new cutter. Uh, the new one that we're looking at is about $58,000, which that's a lot of money. No doubt about it. But these machines are expensive. Uh, so I'm not asking, I mean, if somebody could pay the whole 58, that'd be awesome. But uh, but if you can't, just pray about how much you could contribute. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, 1%. You know, that's pretty cool. 1% of that number is not a whole lot. It is a ton of money for some people, but, you know, give half a percent, a quarter percent. Just give something, please, so we can get a new machine. Uh, we're going to try to take up an offering tomorrow night uh, towards the end of the service. And uh, you can give during that time. You can give online. You can send a check in. 
you want to talk to me about it uh, or talk to Bob or talk to Pastor Brian, please do. Um, but uh, you can do it online. You can do normal ways we have for, for that. So we're going to be taking up that uh, offering to try to get that cutter as soon as we can. Um, so anyway, uh, thank you for the work that you've been doing. Thank you for the, the uh, effort that you had in place. I want to say thank you to the young people and kids. It's fun watching them enjoy themselves. It really is. Yeah, thank you. It really is good to see. You know, we keep looking at each other as, and say, we need to get young people in the ministry. And I say, well, look right over there. There's a bunch of young people right there, and it's awesome. So praise the Lord. Anyway, let's pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed. We'll get some work done before we close it up at 10. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the message both at lunch and this evening. Lord, what a challenge. What's, what is our obstacle? What seat do we want to be in? Uh, where do we want to go? What are we trying to get accomplished? How do we reach the person at the end of the chair, lo chair lane? And how do we accomplish everything that uh, you want us to do in the time that we have allotted on our on this planet before you, your, your son comes back? Lord, there are a lot of people that need to know the gospel. There's a lot of people that need to hear the message of love and grace and mercy. And we want to be a part of telling that message. And we just thank you and praise you for it all. Keep us safe tonight as we work. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>